0: From FCC, it's the FCC Knowledge Podcast, a show that features real Canadian producers, real stories, and real good conversation about the business of farming. I'm your host, Marty Seymour. Amae Ferre Stang is a woman in agriculture. If you met her in a social setting, she would never describe herself as a farmer. She married into a farm family and humbly admits she still doesn't know how to drive a tractor. But there's no question she contributes to the family farm. So why does she struggle to call herself a farmer? I think it's all too familiar of a story. How do women working in agriculture carve out their place on the farm, yet find stability in their off-farm income? Today, we talk women in ag. And Sheldon said to her, well
1: then you hire that out, like what's the problem? And, like, it was so simple to him. And I think that simplicity needs to be applied to everyone, or when you're thinking about what you can and can't do, like, there's only 24 hours in a day. What can you do in that 24 hours?
0: Welcome to the FCC Knowledge Podcast. Today on the show, we've got a May. Welcome to the show, May. Hi, Marty. All right. I think we need a disclosure moment at the start of this podcast. Um, May and I actually work together. So you work at FCC. Uh, What do you do for us?
1: So I'm a social media consultant, which basically means I'm managing our social media accounts at FCC. So Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. So if you direct message her account or see a post on there that you like, or if you don't like it, um, that's me.
0: Ah, so there's like a there's a real person on the other side of social yes. media. Like, I think this is super cool.
1: There's actually three of us. Yeah.
0: All right. So you know what's next. I ask everybody the same thing.
1: Absolutely. So you ask us where I am right now and uh, what's time I'm going for in our area. I did my research, Marty.
0: So where's the farm? <laughs> Let's start with that. Make your town okay. famous.
1: So yeah, I live on a farm outside of Major, Saskatchewan, which is in west central Saskatchewan. Uh, I think at the last census, the population was 68 people. So I don't even know what's a town. I think would be called a, a hamlet. Actually, we're right on the border um, between Saskatchewan and Alberta. I think I'm about 20 minutes from the Alberta border, and we grow wheat barley canola peas lentils and flax and uh right now according to my husband farmland goes for about two thousand forty dollars an acre
0: okay wow so you got some cows and you got i mean today's episode is about women in agriculture and so not only are you growing cows you're growing little boys and you're part of a farm family so paint a picture for the listeners of what's the dynamic of how you're integrated into the farm
1: We moved out to the farm in 2011, so I guess nine years ago. And um, my husband and I own a corporation. We started off as a partnership and now we're incorporated. And my in-laws are incorporated as well. So between both corporations, we have 8,800 acres of rented and owned land, which sounds like a lot. Um, It's actually probably, I would say, a mid-size to higher mid-size farm size for our area. Um, and then we also have, as you mentioned, cows. So we have a cow-calf operation with about 80-ish cows. It fluctuates between 80 and 100. Again, that herd is probably half my in-laws and half of ours. I kind of chuckle because I'm often referred to as a farmer, but I don't actually do a lot of the farm labor. <laughs> so I don't know how to drive a tractor. And I don't do the farm books right now. My mother-in-law does it. Um, I work full-time and our kids are still young. They're eight and five. so. Kind of managing that is kind of where my big role is. I get involved a little bit with farm meetings um, and in terms of communication, I'm interested in nature and that kind of stuff. So I I provide my input where I can and the day-to-day operation of the farm, I'm more of a silent partner right now.
0: Well, I think what you've just described is a pretty relatable model to lots of people listening to this podcast. Now, Now, you have some formal education as well. Tell our listeners what that looks like.
1: That's right. So um, I went to the University of Saskatchewan and I have a commerce degree. I actually wasn't really planning on, or wasn't really thinking of going into ag. I remember when I was I was in university in the late 90s and I, I think everybody was planning on moving to Alberta to work in oil and gas. That was their career plan. And um, that wasn't necessarily my career plan, but I, I didn't expect to be working in the ag industry. And 15 years ago, I had the opportunity to start working at SCC and I kind of fell in love with what I was doing. I was raised on a farm. My dad's a grain farmer. Well, I guess I wasn't raised on a farm. I was raised in town. My dad's a grain farmer. So I get that the ag lifestyle and the family dynamics that are involved in that. So when I started working at SCC, this is when things started falling into place. And then I met my husband and he decided he wanted to move back to the farm
0: So what did all of your college friends say when they heard that you were going to the, I'm not going to say the middle of nowhere, because there's clearly 68 people live there, but (laughs) it's a pretty remote part. I'm glad the internet has found you. Um, What do your friends say? Like, oh my gosh, I mean, you're going to be a farmer.
1: Yeah, a few people actually shook their head and said, "You." and I don't think they said that to me directly, but they're like, she's too much of a city girl. How is she going to handle the farm life? So that was kind of a concern of mine as well. And then I, we had some friends that were really excited for us. Actually, a lot of friends were really excited that we were taking this opportunity. We we're taking this leap to manage our own business and to go off on this adventure.
0: So let's talk about your community then. Um- I still think you have a rather unique job in the industry, but even more so in major Saskatchewan, there's probably not a lot of your peer group that would work for a a large company centralized in Regina, Saskatchewan. So who's in your social circle in terms of other farmers? Um, I'm going to say, let's focus on those women farmers. Uh, Describe your social circle.
1: I would say my social circle out here is a lot of my husband's friends because I grew up on the other side of the province. So I kind of had to um, adopt his uh, his community and that, they welcome me with open arms. So that's been awesome. There's probably a handful of my friends that are the spouses of farmers. Some of them, I would say, are more active on the farm than others. And they have ranging backgrounds from former veterinarians to nurses, teachers. I, I feel like I have a larger network, too, of, of friends that are for the lack of a better term, farmer wives, <laughs> And those are the people that I can really relate to in terms of like, okay, this is what's going on in my life right now. And I know you feel the same way. So that's kind of my support network, especially during seeding and harvest when, when it's crunch time.
0: Yeah, that's kind of where I was going with that is I've kind of, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm the one guy on this call right now. And I'm just acutely <laughs> interested in, so you're, I'm, I'm going to say women, your w- women friends gather. I can't even pick the right words on this without worrying about <laughs> stepping on a rake. Um, so your group of women friends gather at seating time and you're the new person in town, like take yourself back to your twenties when you move in. Does it take like this huge amount of courage to be the first person to put their hand up and say, I know I'm new here, but do we have to talk about farming all the time?
1: <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. I feel like as women and maybe that's, Maybe that's not the case everywhere, but I feel like our outlet, we don't necessarily talk about working all the time among women. I feel like we might talk about the challenges and like, what are we, you know, our frustrations in terms of food or getting meals out to the field or seasonal solo parenting, as I heard someone call it. But definitely if we're in a group of mixed company, definitely the conversation turns to egg all the time. And I know she saw that meme that was going around a few years ago. It's like, it's just something about every single person. You know, I had a long day at work. I don't really want to talk about work right now. Farmers, on the other hand, would be like, do you want to quit working so we can have a beer and talk about work some more? Which <laughs> is so true.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. Okay, so as the self-declared guy on the call, uh, what, are, what are those non-farm issues that women in agriculture are talking about? What's the big three things that come up? You talked about parenting. Mm -hmm. What else is in the mix?
1: Mm -hmm. I think just the mental work that goes into raising a family, like parenting again, but a relationship. So women take on a lot of that mental planning role and scheduling and, and not to say that men don't do that, but I feel like we're in our heads a lot in terms of, okay, like, here's, here's what's happening at school. Here's what's happening with our weekend plans. Like they, tend to be really heavily invested in the operation. So that's, I've had a lot of conversations with my friends in farming and outside of farming about the mental work that goes into being the female side of the equation in a, in a couple. And so that's one thing that we're talking about. Um, I think for your parent, it's like all parenting all the time.
0: <laughs> well, and at the age of your boys, it totally makes sense too, right? That that's going to dominate uh, the conversation for sure. Um, you know, you've kind of, kind of got me thinking a little bit about um, breaking the mold a little bit in terms of, if you think about when you grew up to the conversation or where, where women in agriculture would have fit from your parents' age versus now, do you see a difference in your community?
1: Yeah, I absolutely see a difference in how, how I guess the women's role is in agriculture. I mean, a lot of women were staying home and raising kids. I think that's still there's still quite a few stay-at-home moms where I live, which is great. It's awesome. And there's also a lot of women that are coming back to the farm with education and like a university degree and applying that to the farm or else using the knowledge or the skills that they've learned to help on the farm or in a separate career. So I feel like we're, we're moving ahead in terms of the family responsibilities have to be shared a little bit more. And my husband reminded me that we've come a long way in the last generation. I think there's still more, there's more, definitely more steps that we can take to even the balance a little bit. But did that answer your question, Marty?
0: Well, I, I think it does. I think we're also going down a like a, maybe a shift in society. And I, I don't know if it's real. I just know where I'm from and the opposite corner of Saskatchewan from where you are. And I would, I use the term traditional farm family and that was my dad and myself. We did the work outside and, my mom and my sisters—they kept the house going, and at the time, yeah. I don't think I had an appreciation for what they did. Fast forward thirty years, and I have, in retrospect, have a ton of appreciation for what they did, and and so, I guess I wonder about the mom shaming that comes into play as we, as in your community, where you come home from university, and I'm trying to manage a career, and you're trying to keep the keep the, the meals flowing to the field, and keep the kids together with their hair combed, um, and <laughs> how how others might look at that and say, wow, that's awesome. And others might look at that and say, well, you're not being a good farm wife, you know, from a traditional sense. Is that still happening? Is that conversation still alive?
1: There might be some, I think online a little bit from what I've seen, but I feel like most of it is in our own heads in terms of, The mom shaming, like I go through this every seeding and harvest. My kids don't go to bed at the time that I would like them to go to bed and they're not eating as well as I would like them to eat. And we're probably not tackling the homework as much as we should be. So, and I have all this incredible guilt about not being able to do all that for them, but it's mostly in my head. Like I have a friend that I grew up with whose dad is a farmer and she lives in the city now and she came to my house just before harvest and she's like, I don't know how you do it. And she's got a busy job and a family too, but like, it just, it just reminded me that I think in most cases, we're just in awe of each other and how we can, we can manage all these things. And sometimes if we just get out of our head and realize that this is, this is pretty incredible what we're able to do and what we can accomplish or what we have accomplished already without, without going into what we haven't accomplished.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think you nailed it as- in all of our own minds is this guilt and shaming that comes with us. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know this, that your kids are going to remember getting the opportunity to stay up late. Like your guilt will be turned around when your kids in their twenties go, mom, you were awesome in harvest. Uh, (laughs) Maybe a little short tempered, but you were awesome because we never had to go to bed.
1: Yeah. I would say that like my youngest, he like usually about one month after harvest is done, he's already counting down. He's already asking when harvest is going to be happening next year. So Like that's a time of year that they thrive on. And they like, they're so excited to go out in the field. If like, we have a little fifth wheel trailer that we take out, we call it the Sask Hilton and that we feed our harvest crew and our seeding crew out of that. And like, if that camper leaves the yard without them in it, they are severely upset.
0: (laughs) Remember earlier when a may told me she didn't drive a tractor and she struggles to call herself a farmer. I didn't really get it. So I wanted to circle back on that where does this hesitancy come from? So you have a phrase that that, uh, you've used called imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Uh, What does that mean to you? Explain that to those people that aren't maybe familiar with what imposter syndrome is.
1: So imposter syndrome is, and it's not necessarily just for agriculture, it's for any type of sector. And it's not just for women either. I think it's for men and women. It's this feeling that you're not enough that you're that whatever you're doing you don't really measure up to what you're doing so that kind of goes with the whole concept of yes I'm owning the fact that I'm a farmer it's like well I'm not really a farmer I don't drive a tractor or I'm not doing the books right now or I'm not contributing as much as I would like to to the farm and so that whole concept of not being enough is essentially imposter syndrome and it like I said it's not a unique to agriculture I have a friend who's a lawyer and she said that she struggles with that too like that you know as a lawyer she's paid to be right all the time and she said to me that you know she's imagined herself in court thinking I'm sure the judge and the jury and (laughs) and the other side are going to be like she doesn't know what she's doing she's you know she's a total fake and I think we tell ourselves that a lot like the voice inside of our head tells ourselves that a lot and we need to we need to let that voice go and skedaddle
0: really so so do you have a do you have a, a a trick, a tool, a tip for our listeners on when they hear that little voice creating that doubt, what to do?
1: <laughs> well, I'm not that good at it, Marty. So I, I this is still a work in progress for me. Um, I when when I hear that little voice, I try to lean into the times where I've been told, where I've been reminded that that voice is not the truth. So. You know, usually once a year or like once a season, I get a text from my mother-in-law saying, "You are a farmer. Don't don't ever let yourself believe otherwise." And my husband the same way, right? Like he's he said to me, "You know, you are a farmer. Just because you're not driving a tractor or a combine right now doesn't make you not a farmer." So I mean, lean into those a lot because I mean, those are the people that are heavily involved in our business, and if they feel that way, then I should feel that way too.
0: Yeah, it's kind of foreign for me to listen to you to think that you would. F- you know, have self doubt or be an imposter. Because I listen to you and I think about your comment about keeping the house together. Like it just strikes me that you're playing a very important role in the business. You you mentioned you like HR. Is you kind of are the the chief HR officer in the whole outfit from um, making sure that that everybody's where they need to be at any given time and that things are happening. And so. Um, I guess it strikes me as a very unusual response that you would you would think you're not a contributor at the farm at the same level as the person driving the tractor
1: yeah and I, I don't think I'm the only person who feels that way I think we we downplay a lot uh, our role and um, and I don't that's I want to say that's a a typical female response I, I don't know if I'm gonna get in trouble for saying that. <laughs> I know some women that are very empowered and and own. Whatever it is that they're doing, and maybe they have self-doubt and they don't show it. And I know there's some men out there that have self-doubt too, but I just feel that that's a very typical female response is to be humble and to downplay whatever it is that they're doing.
0: So what advice would you give an aspiring farmer, um, a female farmer in this space who thinks they need to be like that? powerful person you described earlier that powerful professional farm person versus being you know the supporter in the in the Mm -hmm. business to the person driving the tractor
1: i think the first piece of advice is you don't need to be everything and you don't need to do everything and that's certainly like if i look at my husband that's how he operates so why can't i operate like that too like we have a mutual a close friend who had would have taken over the family farm and she had said to us, oh, you know, I didn't have the mechanical knowledge and I didn't have the physical strength to take over my farm on my own. And Sheldon said to her, well, then you hire that out. Like, what's the problem? And, like, it was so simple to him. And so I think that simplicity needs to be applied to everyone or when you're thinking about what you can and can't do. Like, there's only 24 hours in a day. What can you do in that 24 hours that's going to be enough? And it's going to have a contribution to the farm. And what can you let go of my, my mother-in-law last year hired a, a caterer to cook meals two to three days a week for us. And at first I kind of felt bad because I'm like, I'm not living up to my end of the bargain. And then I thought, well, why not? Like I'm probably making more money at my job than it's costing the farm to cook these meals for us. And And everybody's a little bit happier and a little bit less stressed at the end of the day. So why not, right?
0: I think that's a really good example. You see that in businesses all the time. You hire an advisor to, we hire Mm -hmm. accountants for the technical side that we're not strong at or the tax code that we need to know. So what's wrong with looking at food delivery with the same lens? So what else have you let go then? You've obviously figured out there's a trade-off between my commitment to my, my job in town versus my commitment to the farm. Have you figured out some other natural things that other women in ag could look at letting go of?
1: I would say like the childcare thing is a, is a challenge because, I mean, in rural Canada, that's, we've heard time and time again that that's a challenge. I mean, for my closest daycare is a half an hour drive away. So if I wanted to take my kids to daycare, I would be on the road for two hours every day. And so luckily, my mother-in-law looks, looks after the kids when it's not busy on the farm. And now my kids are almost in school full time. So um, that challenge is kind of looking after itself. But when I was working, I, my kids either went to my in-laws or went to a sitters or went to the daycare because I couldn't juggle them being around and putting in a full day's work. And I think the same thing I've seen other farmers do this too. Like if they need to tackle their book work, the kids go to daycare or if there's something happening in the farm that's. That's probably not safe for the kids to be around. They hire a babysitter too. So like if, if it's a PD day at school and I need to get work done, I'm hiring a, a local teenager to come over and watch my kids because I just, I can't do it all and I can't be everything to everybody. So I'm still learning that. <laughs> I feel like I should add the disclosure, do as I say and not as I do because <laughs> I still try to take on too much. But um, sometimes you just need to focus on one thing at a time.
0: So what I hear you saying is there is a shift from our parents' generation to our generation to saying, you know, I should outsource some things because it makes me better. I'd be a better bookkeeper if I can outsource the childcare for the day. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in, is this a trend that you think is going on where, where this next generation has identified they could outsource certain skills uh, that and this is becoming more common?
1: I think so. I mean, I can't speak for everyone and I think women are... And, and men are still trying to take on too much, especially when you're an entrepreneur and doesn't matter what kind of industry you're in. I think, you know, letting go is probably the hardest thing, but I feel like we're shifting towards like, okay, like let's specialize in what we're good at and what we're interested in and we're going to be more efficient that way. A small example would be like house cleaning. like maybe a generation ago that was only for rich people. And I mean, I have a house cleaner come into my house and I have other friends that do too. And it's kind of almost embarrassing to admit to your friends, but like, when are you going to make time for that? And I make more money at my job than what I'm paying my house cleaner. So why wouldn't I choose to focus on where I'm generating revenue and and outsource that, right? So I think that's a conversation that's happening more and more. And I think that's, that's a positive thing because the more we can focus on our strengths, the stronger we're going to be in our businesses and as an industry.
0: So i just did a podcast the other day with Ben Campbell, who said, you know, I, if I can pay someone $17 an hour to do it on my farm, typically I want to outsource that to the person, someone else at 17, cause I can make more money doing something else. You're applying the same yeah. lens here. yeah. So, so what does the person at home that doesn't have a supplemental income, how do they, how do you see them fitting into this? Or do you think they still can do it too?
1: Yeah. I I, I still think you can do it. I don't think it always comes down to money. I think it comes down to, to time and, and really looking at what is the most beneficial thing for your family and for your business and for your home. And sometimes it comes down to the money, but time is a finite resource as well. So I mean, using that lens on on the value that certain tasks or certain jobs are bringing to the farmer, the the home, that needs to be applied as well.
0: Uh, so I think you're onto something here. This is about, there's, there's more to this conversation than just the money. There's the soft side of the lifestyle choices we're making that actually make us a stronger spouse, a stronger parent, uh, a stronger business owner.
1: Yep, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think I, I think even having a job out off the farm is not always about the money. I mean, obviously it's it's an important part of it, but like I have a couple of friends that work part time, and they do that for their mental health. <laughs> um, and they also like I have a friend who says I work off the farm to complicate our lives because it is complicating. But she needs that outlet, right? So it's just finding the right mix of what makes sense for your family and what makes sense for your own development and your own growth and what your objectives in life
0: are. Yeah, I think that's that's a great perspective. After the break, I get brave and I ask May about living and working so closely with her in-laws. We chat about conflict, communication, and those quiet, judgy little voices that live with inside us that hold us back sometimes.
1: You're not any less of a person if you follow your spouse in their career choice. You can still live out your higher purpose and your dreams and your goals. You might have to get a little bit more creative about it, but that doesn't make you less of a feminist or less of a woman.
0: If today's conversations really hitting you in the guts and really resonating with you, keep in mind FCC has a whole host of articles that dig into some of these exact challenges mentioned by a The ever-changing role of women in ag or how farm couples can stay happy working together are just a few great examples. Check us out at fcc.ca slash knowledge for a full offering. Also want to ask that you don't forget to hit subscribe whenever you're listening. We'll be releasing two episodes on Farm Transition in the new year and don't want you to miss out. Right, so Amay moves to the farm with her husband. All of a sudden, now she's living close to her in-laws. You can imagine as a podcast guy, this is juicy conflict. I look for this stuff all the time. So you can imagine I'm hunting and fishing for how crazy is the mother-in-law? Well, the opposite is actually true. To Amay's credit, she celebrates her mother-in-law for helping keep her grounded.
1: Yeah, I, like. we've had this conversation about about like me working off the farm. And she has said to me, not that you're a bad mom, but you need that intellectual stimulation, uh, like to, to think about things other than being a parent. And so I, she said, you would not be who you are if you didn't have that, have your uh,
0: farm work. Well, she sounds like a wise mother-in-law um, <laughs> if there's such a thing as cliches would go. Um, but it does sound wise. And in a way it's, it's, she's granting you permission but at the same time you have to give yourself permission to say that that's okay.
1: Yeah, and yeah, and that's the thing too, right? Like I think about what my in-laws went through in the 80s. They went through a really difficult time when land prices were crap and and interest rates went through the roof and she had to take on a job an hour away and and drive and she was billeted too and like it was really hard on their family and I think she knows that I've got this really great job and I can contribute to keeping some stability in our home and that's I think something that she knows that like that's just a little bit of insurance for us and she had to live through that to appreciate that because you know like I've gone through this whole guilt like well I should be at home more with my kids and I should I should be contributing more and I like I'm missing out on all these things and She's kind of brought me back and said, like, this is the right choice for you. So it kind of gave me the permission to own that and to not feel guilty about working off the farm.
0: So you still put value in if you wish you knew how to drive a tractor?
1: That's a good question, because my mother-in-law has told me, don't learn. <laughs> the minute you learn, <laughs> you're going to be put to work. She's and this best is friends not with my mom, good.
0: clearly. My mom has the same <laughs> philosophy to this day.
1: That's hilarious because like my mother-in-law, so my mother-in-law's dad taught her how to drive a tractor and and she was like, I regret that he taught me that.
0: Well, it does mean you'll get the call to say the combine's stuck. Can you get on the tractor and come give me a pull, yeah. right in the middle of some work <laughs> assignment you really wanted to get done? So there's some wisdom in your life choices. <laughs> uh, I wonder if you want to, like, if you'd be comfortable sharing with us elements of conflict in, I'll say, your relationship that relates to the busyness that you both have on each side. You know, there are common themes where you guys have these bumps. And then I, I guess where I'm going with that is there's people listening on this call that have that going on in their house every day. Mm-hmm. Nobody's immune to mm-hmm. it. No. Can you give me an example of when you've, what a common thing is you'd find friction over?
1: I think probably the common thing is like balancing both of our careers. Um, because I am a salaried employee and because my husband runs his own business. And because the farm is always like, and it's a, the nature of the business is urgent and seasonal, that often takes precedence over whatever I'm doing. And a lot of times there's a sense it's rightfully so. Like, the, you know, there's a cow calving, she needs help. Like, that's going to be take the priority. But in the off season, you know, when I try to focus on my work, sometimes it's like, okay, well, well how come you're so busy? Well, I'm because this is my job. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like there's like a little bit of a friction in there in terms of like, okay, well I have a career and so do you. And we need to find ways to work around that and to help each other advance our careers.
0: So you got a technique. Cause I, what I hear you saying is you have a better understanding of your husband's farming career. It's probably a little easier to see it in real time. Mm-hmm. And he probably has no way to see into your world of emails and, Zoom calls, etc. How do you help them see that?
1: Oh, I don't know if I'm the right person for asking to ask for advice because I think usually when 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 we have these conversations, it comes out as as passive aggressive or snarky. Um, you know, and sometimes, and like I think when we hit the sweet spot, it's like this is what I'm going through right now, and this is what I'm feeling, and this is not a reflection on you. It's just this is what's going on in my life right now. And I need to figure out a way to deal with it. So I would say that probably the best success I've ever had is like when you're framing things from a factual point of view, rather than a victim point of view or an accusatory point of view, which again, like I say, don't do as I do as I say, but not as I do because I'm, I'm still a work in progress in that department.
0: Well, I think your humility makes it easy for all of us to identify with about yeah, I don't get it right all the time, but uh, this idea of victim language is a really good one. Um, you seem to have your head around it. So what's an example of where you feel like a victim and then you reframed it?
1: Oh, um, I can't think of any like specific examples, but it's like, rather than just saying, you know, you weren't here to do this or, you know, I had to take this on by myself. It's like, okay, well, we need to do this thing or this is happening right now. What are we going to do about it? And framing it more as a as a team effort or a, like framing things more factually than one sided.
0: Okay, so you you kind of take it away from the me this is impacting me to the how do we get through this? Yeah. As part of that, it sounds like maybe explaining uh, you are probably feeling not heard. So explaining, but I'll bet you a steak sandwich it comes right down to communication and oh, yeah. it's just your ability to articulate why you're why you're upset yeah
1: absolutely and i think like i had a professor in university that said when we we're doing assignments he said don't say that the problem in this case study is communication because every single problem in business is communication and i would say that that's kind of true in relationships too is like that's kind of part of or the base of the problem but you need to dig deeper to figure out also what's going on beyond the communication too
0: yeah, it's a great point. I actually consider myself a communicator. That's the line of work that I really am in. And I have seven ex-girlfriends that would suggest <laughs> that I'm the worst communicator in the world. So, you know, I think we're all a work in progress. Yeah. So then as a, as a farm wife and a professional working in town, what do you think you're missing out on?
1: Um, I feel like the, the thing that I miss out the most with being a farm wife is that ability or that flexibility to really dive into my work. And so, you know, if you had a couple that was in the city and, um, you know, so it's time to pick up the kids at daycare, typically, depending on the situation, the parents would share that role. Whereas, you know, if there's <laughs> on our farm, if, if there's a cow that needs help calving, or it's September and the crop is coming off. I need to stop what I'm doing and right now and go pick up the kids or get that food out to the field because otherwise we're not going to be eating till eight. So I feel like there's like a little bit of sacrifices that I have to make career wise to be that supportive spouse. I don't think that's necessarily a case either in agriculture too. Like if you were the spouse of a doctor or uh, someone who worked shift work or uh, someone who worked in policing. Or even in the military, it would be a similar type of circumstance, but that's, that's kind of, you know, that's, I think that's the sacrifice that you make when you're supporting a spouse that has
0: that kind of job. Yeah. Great parallels. You know, I think there's sometimes in agriculture, we think it's unique. Our situation's unique, but you know, your shift work example is common in communities, you know, the doctor example. Mm -hmm. So I, why do you do it? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Oh, that's a good question, Marty. I I ask myself that every harvest and seeding probably once at least. Um, well, first of all, I love my husband, so that was the first reason why I do this, and I love my kids and I know that they love this life and I love this life too. I have a friend that said to me that just because you chose this life doesn't mean that you can't be sad about it every once in a while, so I try to remind myself that I have my I can be sad about it, but I need to like pick myself up. <laughs> and and figure out a way to get the thing done that I need to do so that's kind of why I did it like my and my husband is so passionate about agriculture like I've never seen anybody this crazy about anything in my life before and I know lots of farmers are like this too so like he's not unique but when he told me that he wanted to move back out to the farm he told me that this was the only thing he's ever done in his life that didn't feel like work and I was like wow like that's huge right like and at that moment, I knew that that was something that we needed to do together as a family because that was something that was going to bring us closer together and and live this great thing. And even though it was his career path and his choice, I felt like I wanted to be a part of it.
0: So what advice would you have then for, um, I'm 18 years old, I'm a young lady, I'm coming out of high school, I'm going to pursue a commerce degree. What advice do you have for those young people?
1: <laughs> that are eventually going to wind up on a farm? Yeah. Um, so I would say you're not any less of a person. If you follow your spouse in their career choice, you can still live out your higher purpose and your dreams and your goals. You might have to get a little bit more creative about it, but that doesn't make you less of a feminist or less of a woman. Because when I think about uh, when I was 20 or 18 or 20, if I would have known that I would have followed my husband out to the farm, I would have said, Oh my gosh, like what is wrong with you? And like, I think the twenty year old in me would have been really disappointed with that choice. And I would have felt like I would have an anti feminist. I was moving the clock backwards in terms of women's advancement in society. And and every once in a while that little voice in the back of my head says, like, seriously, like this is this is what you're doing with your life. You're folding laundry and cleaning like changing diapers and running meals out to the field. And I need to tell that voice again to shove it and that this is like part this is an important job and somebody has to do it and this is part of my life and i that doesn't make me any less of a woman or any less of a of a contributor to society this is just what my role is and and that's that's awesome
0: it's probably the most inspirational statement i've heard in a long time of a is that it's a, a couple of things i heard you doing is reframing the importance of the role and not taking it at its face value and saying that in the macro level is I'm a huge contributor to this farm. I have a career that I've managed to work into the farm to achieve my greater purpose in life. I think uh, that's inspirational in itself. You know, I appreciate your time today. I think you've offered some great advice and thanks for sharing. Thanks Marty. Today we talked women in ag. You can imagine, as the only guy on this podcast, I was a little bit nervous. This is kind of outside of my comfort zone. But I think what Amay taught me is a new perspective on what it's like to go through some of those struggles and the balance of being a great mom, being awesome at your career, and having a full life. This idea that we can dream, grow, and thrive in various environments, this thing's anchored to Amay's DNA. So there's a few things I took away from this. Number one, you cannot do everything. Let me say that again. You cannot do everything. So think about what you might be good at. Put yourself into those places and focus on that. And it's okay to outsource some of those other things to free up time to focus on your priorities. Number two, communicate. It seems so simple, but man, how many times do we get frustrated at our spouse or the people in our circle about how poor our communication is? Framing your language with a team lens that we need to get this done is critical. We work together. Avoid statements that place blame. Communicate, communicate, communicate. And last but not least, you also don't have to drive a tractor to be a farmer. We all contribute in different ways. Maybe it's our off-farm income. Maybe it's how we keep the kids in the house going and do the books. Regardless of your role, your role matters. Find value in what you do. Tell that little voice in your head that says you're not important to this farm to shove it. Thanks for listening, folks. I want to remind you that we're into event season this winter, so check out the FCC website for event offerings in your area. Actually, that's not true. They're in every area because they're all on the web. Everything this year is going to be done virtually, so check us out at FCC.ca. We've got a great Women's Summit event coming up this year. I think it's something you're really going to want to listen for. So in the meantime, keep listening along and sharing your feedback. Check us out on social. Tell a friend. Bye for now.